One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. of the black mask welcome to our smackdown review podcast where the house of the black mask this is our new introduction welcome to the smackdown podcast here on the wrestle talk podcast network i am your host tempest alongside my house of the black mask co-host and the lovely and wonderful sat in yangi sat what day is it with a diffusion (sighs) where the figures at we didn't didn't do it right last time Ladies and gentlemen, it's Sat-E-Day. It is Sat-E-Time. My microphone is kind of low. Tempest always fix it for me because I'm inadequate at fixing equipment like this. Welcome to the show. It's been another week. So, Tempest. Yeah. What are we going to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Well, because this essentially is a Bloodline podcast, and we had a slight deviation from such things last week to talk about Rey Mysterio and his Hall of Fame induction. Which was lovely, by the way. I enjoyed a conversation about that. I did as well. But we are back to our regularly scheduled Bloodline programming because this was a Bloodline episode of SmackDown. We had a couple of very good segments to open and close the show, and we opened with Cody Rhodes making another SmackDown appearance. He comes out, and he says, yeah, I'm going to beat Roman at WrestleMania, but that's not what I'm here for. It's okay, Roman's not here either, so it's fine. Instead, he welcomes Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Yeah. And he kind of tricks Kevin Owens, because he's like, Kevin, I want to talk to you. Please come out here. We'll talk to -to man-to-man. And as soon as he gets in the ring, he's like, all right, now wait. Sami, you too. (laughs) And Kevin's like, bro, what? I didn't agree to this. I've been bamboozled, hoodwinked. He comes out. He got catfished. And Sami Zayn comes out, and he gives the same kind of spiel he's been giving to Kevin Owens lately. And he's like, you know, Kevin, we, we need to do this together. We could be the ones to take down the ones. It's a good line. I like that. He said, after all we've been through, we've done some really heinous stuff to each other, betrayed each other time and time again. What makes this one betrayal so different? And Kevin Owens the whole time is just like, Thank you, Cody. I, I, I don't want to be here. I'm just... Is that it? Are we done? Can I leave now? I've heard all of this before. I've heard all of this before. And finally, 
Kevin just says, because Sammy's trying to appeal to Kevin Owens, be like, listen, man, we don't need to see eye to eye. We don't need to be on the same page. We don't need to be friends. We just need to take down the bloodline. What do you say? And Kevin's like, why would I want to help someone who doesn't even want to be my friend? Aww. And Sammy's like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know that you just wanted my friendship again. Okay, let me try that next time. So, and Kevin Owens walks out. Mm. Kevin Owens walks away, heads backstage. He goes to get in his car, and Sami Zayn stops him, and he's like, whoa, before you go, you, you can never talk to me, you never see me again, it's fine. But just know that after everything that we've been through, we're more than friends, we're brothers. Kevin Owens gets in his car, drives off. What a way to start the show. Uh, you did say something. It's true. Like, what makes this betrayal worse than the other betrayal? I mean, the most recent breakup that people may not remember was during the pandemic. Everyone's forget Thunderdome when Sami Zayn just booted Kevin Owens in the face <laughs> in, Kevin, in commentary. It's one of them ones. Was it one of them ones where they had they both guys had nothing to do? Yeah. Uh, just boot him in the face, and he booted it. That was a. That was a. I just remember it because that kick, the slow motion of it, that was brutal. I just, I just bring it up because go on WWE.com or whatever, just find that. That was, ooh. Professional jealousy is usually the reason why Kevin Owens always turns on Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn's more, you made fun of him, so he kicks you at commentary because Sami's only done it once mm-hmm. or kind of twice. They both had a weird thing where they wanted to be US champion or internal champion, I don't remember. But yeah, it's been more Kevin than Sami. Sami's done a little couple, but it's been more Kevin. I think at the crux of it, Kevin's like, I've never turned on you for other people. It's always been prof- professional jealousy. That's our thing. That's Not our kink. personal when yeah. I do it. That's our kink. We turn on each other because one of us is more successful than the other, so the other wants to bring down the peg. So that's been their thing. Even going back to ROH days of PWG, it's always been professional jealousy. It's been at the heart of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn breaking up. It's never been outside party. It's kind of like uh, dysfunctional friendship. It's never been outside parties or, you know, you're cheating on me with, with other people. So it felt like Kevin Owens was upset that Sami Zayn had new friends and basically chose those new friends over him over 20 years plus friendship. That is the crux of Kevin Owens' hurt. He goes, I'm a scumbag, but I'm not that type of scumbag. I'm the scumbag that stabbed you in your back and to your face. You just humiliated me in front of my family and turned on me in the worst possible way. That's the way Kevin Owens rationalized the whole situation. It's really odd. It's really like interesting storytelling. But again, that has been my thought process the whole time. It's like, man, y'all turn on each other like every other year. What what are you getting so hung up about this time? But at the very least, it seems like there is some sort of different motivation behind it this time. And I suppose if you look back at it, you can sort of link them all that way. But we continue on because Sami Zayn later does a backstage interview where he says that someone who considered him a brother just left him in the parking lot. And then he's going to have to go out in the main event against somebody who also used to consider him a brother. And they're going to have a confrontation. And maybe he's brought all this on himself. Mm. He's down himself. Real good, like tragic hero type stuff like because yeah it is his hubris that's brought all this upon himself would you argue this is the Sami Zayn that people have fallen in well they fell in love with Sami Uso but I'm I'm saying that this baby face iteration of Sami Zayn we have right now is it the one that's been doubtful of himself the one that's gone to Cody for reinsurance is this the Sami Zayn that people have taken into their hearts the one that's trying to fight a good fight but he's not sure he can actually do it I don't know if it's he Well, he knows he can't beat the bloodline alone mm. because that's just an impossible task. There's too many of them and there such. Is, there's too many. 
But I think the really good aspect of this character is that he's not disregarding everything that he's done. You're not just forgetting everything because he's turned babyface. No. He has said, maybe this is all my fault. This is my doing that I don't have anybody to turn to. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really good layer to his character. And again, we will talk about the layers to the many, many, many characters in this Bloodline storyline until the cows come home. But Sami Zayn's character is one of the best for reasons like that. He's not a perfect baby face because that's sort of what Cody Rhodes is right now. He is, you know, the, the white suit, knight in shining armor, perfect baby face, future face of the company type guy. Whereas Sammy is the one who's done wrong and is now atoning for those things. But his actions are still having consequences. That is what is so important in a long-term story like this, is for actions to have consequences. It gives everybody a reason to watch, gives everybody a reason to remember all the steps that we've taken to get here, and it makes Sami Zayn a more interesting character for it. You're right. You're right. He's not Cody Rhodes. Part of me wants to make a joke. Where was Cody Rhodes in 93 when <laughs> Vince McMahon was looking for the next big star after Hulk Hogan? He was eight years old in WCW. That's the answer, He's by the way. wee child. He was eight years old backstage with his dad. That, that's the answer to the question, by the way. Just oh, don't... he was eight years old. He, he was. was. Younger than... In 93? Yeah, because yeah, he would have turned, turned 10. Mm. Brought... No, you're right. He's won 86, not 85. You're right. He was seven. He was seven years old. I forget he's 1986 because I grouped that guys like Roman Reigns, the Usos, and you know, there's a lot of 85ers. But he's like, he's like, Seth 85 or 86? Ah. Anyway, you know, that's another, that's for a quiz, that's a Quizmania question. Moving along swiftly. But yeah, Cody Rhodes is a gallant baby face. And I am shocked in a 2020 world, in the post pandemic world, you know, we're all cynical human beings. I'm shocked that Cody Rhodes still gets the reaction that he's getting because Cody Rhodes' uh, personality. Reminds me of John Cena when John Cena, 2006 Cena, when he became Army Super Cena, when he wasn't relatable. Because I feel like when a babyface is not relatable, that's when you boo him. You're like, you're too perfect. I'm not perfect. You make me hate myself. Boo. I'm happy that Cody reminds people his journey. His journey is important part to his character. Mm -hmm. He had to overcome a lot to be the guy with blonde hair, nice suit. Because he wasn't the guy with the blonde hair, nice suit. He was a guy with face paint and black hair and was told that he'll, all he would be is probably mid-card fodder. Yeah. And also, very important to bring up, mm. because can't skim over this, this very interesting tidbit on this show, when Cody Rhodes calls out Kevin Owens, he says that he has an immense amount of respect for Kevin Owens, because when Cody left WWE back in 2016, he was lost. He had no idea how to go out and make a name on the indie scene, and he went to Kevin Owens, and Kevin Owens gave him the contacts that he needed to go out there and form relationships on the indie scene. And who is he talking about? But the elite. The, the, the elite. elite. I love that they brought that up. You called that from a mile away. Thank you, thank and you. And I'm giving you your flowers on that one. That is a, a very good shout, very good way to appeal to, to Kevin Owens. Bring even more realism to this story that has been just loaded with it. And I like that Cody Rhodes is the guy that peels back the curtain. Gosh, did WWE need Cody Rhodes? I, people, yeah. people don't understand that how much, where, where would we be right now if we, probably, it probably would have been Seth if 
Triple H had his way, if Cody didn't come back, it's like, what if we're doing the multiverse thing? Don't worry, guys. I ain't going to go through the weeds. We're doing a review. We, we ain't going to linger on this too much. But Cody's brought a lot. What he, you know, I love both AEW and WWE. So I'm sorry. I'm, there's no tribalism within me. I love both wrestling companies. I feel like the um, Cody was the heart of AEW and he brought some of that heart into the WWE in terms of the promos, in terms of the realism aspect of it. You can't help but relate to a guy that's gone through things because we all go through trials and tribulations in our life and he's very much a uh, self-help book manifested into a human <laughs> being. And then I just I just love it and I can't wait for WrestleMania. We talked about it. Where's Roman? Where's Roman? <laughs> on the show but Cody's been doing well in terms of heavy lifting the storyline um no offense I love Paul Heyman but I'm happy we had a break from him this week mm. but of course this all leads to the main event segment the best segment on the show for my money because Sami Zayn and Jey Uso go out real like quick to the punch Sami Zayn's got his mic and he's talking as soon as he goes to the curtain mm. and he comes out and he says all right Jay this is how you wanted to do it what what do we got to say what, what do you got to say? And they just start going back and forth. And Jay Uso tells him that from the jump, I never liked you, never trusted you. You are fake ass Uso. And just got to say, thankfully they cut it out. But yeah. the people in Kansas City, Missouri, doing the what chance? Yeah. This segment. Yeah. Get in the bin. Like, yeah. why do you go to a show? Yeah. You, you go to shows for segments like this to be part of one of the big, massive WrestleMania building promo segments for one of the, hopefully, main events of WrestleMania. Please, Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for everyone, please. And you're just popping yourselves, doing the what chant for Jey Uso in the middle of a very emotional, very storyline-driven promo. Yeah, you're lucky. Get in the bin. You're lucky this is not happening during the Thunderdome, Thunderdome era where you have no voice. This is a great opportunity to watch a storyline up close and personal. And people decided to kind of crap on it. And they're lucky that Jay actually lent into the watch chant when he was describing the names of the people mm -hmm. that believed in Sammy. He leaned He's into it. He's a pro. He didn't fight against it because fighting against it is what would amplify the chant even more. He kind of leaned into it. He's like, you know... Uh, my brother believed in you, what? Solo believed in you, what? The wise men believed in you, what? Even, uh, you know, tribal chief. And eventually it kind of died down because... They get it out of their system a little bit. That and also what they're saying is quite compelling. So at the end of the day, the what chance mean nothing. It should have died 20 years ago when, when it became hot. But at the same time, in, in this... Because part of me is thinking this confrontation is probably a week off or a week mm. or two off. I mean, they have been punching each other since the betrayal. Uh, I like the fact that Jay brought up stuff. He mm -hmm. brought up things that were valid, which was, you embarrassed me. He should. It, the weird thing was, if you didn't remember the whole trial of Sami Zayn stuff, because he didn't explicitly mention that's the reason why he's embarrassed, but you do remember Jay vouched for yeah. Sami and straight after vouching for him, that, that Monday and, and then going to that Saturday, Sami turned on the bloodline. Mm-hmm. Family means everything to Jay Uso. I love the fact that uh, Jay Uso is a complex character. He 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 would you call a tragic a, a tragic character because you can't call him a babyface or a heel. Just a tragic character. He's a tragic character. He sure. said it. Family means everything to me. I'm I will shoot for my family. You just tell me where and I will do it. So when 
he said he loved Sami Zayn. He loved him like a brother. He doesn't mean that lightly. He means I would have taken a bullet for you. I would have shot for you too. So when I'm vouching for you, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm with it. I, he wasn't with it before. He didn't understand Sami Zayn. He didn't understand the appeal. But once he saw the loyalty that he's displaying to his family, he's like, you know what? If you love my family like I love my family, sure, I embrace you. And what does he do? Turns on his family. So that must have shattered him inside. And, and, there's, and there's truth into what Sami says. Sami says to him, you're not upset with me because I turned on Roman Reigns or I turned on the family. You're upset because I did it before you did it. Oh, everybody pops huge. And it's a great moment. It's a great segment. It's a great line to hit Jay Uso with. Because we don't know if he would ever do that. But that has been where a lot of the intrigue since the Royal Rumble has come from, is where does Jey Uso's allegiances lie? And I think we as quote-unquote smart fans, knowing that the plan's going to be for Sammy and Kevin mm. to face the Usos at WrestleMania, we knew that Jay wasn't going to turn on Roman Reigns and the bloodline before then. But you're sowing these seeds, and even still, Sami Zayn's saying that you're upset because I turned on Roman before you could, it still makes a lot of narrative sense, given how this whole bloodline angle came about in the first place, mm. given Jimmy Uso coming in and Jay getting fed up, throwing his hands in the air and walking off the show for a month or so. Yeah, All of it still makes sense, even when the fans know that Jay Uso probably wasn't going to be turning on Roman Reigns. I say that with... I mean, there's a lot of people in the crowd when he turned on Sammy who lost their bloody minds, so shout out to them. But they've mm. done such a good job of still telling a very compelling story when you pretty much know what the immediate outcome of it is still probably going to be. Also, uh, I want to add one thing to the people that watch the SmackDown show or going to watch the SmackDown show. When Sami Zayn says that you're upset with me because I did something that you wanted to do, Interesting thing happened. Jay Uso let those words linger. He didn't rebut. Mm -hmm. He didn't do a straight rebut. He don't. No, no, I wouldn't do that. He, he didn't said, immediately go and jump him. He, no, like, that he processed that. Yeah. He, he was soaking it in, and, and that's why Jay Uso is one of the best performers in this storyline. Roman Reigns is great. Paul Heyman is great. Solo, like Solo and Jimmy, they all have their roles in within the storyline which they're great at. But Jay Uso, my goodness, you could argue this bloodline storyline wouldn't be where it is without Jay Uso because he set the tone. He set the tone for what preceded uh, for this storyline because it, it started off hot because the Jey Uso and Roman Reigns um, feud was so heartbreaking, so compelling. If it was one dimensional, we wouldn't even care. But there's so much layers into it. And Jey Uso, I do believe that the bloodline, the cracks will still continue because you've noticed since Jey's come back, he's not talking about the tribal chief because when he was main event Jay Uso he was all in it right hand mm -hmm. man the tribal chief said I can't do this the tribal chief said I can't sneeze without his permission he was very much robotic and I feel like Sammy broke the spell that month long spell being broken made Jay realise a lot of things he's like what I've been through is not right 
maybe eventually figure out a way to get Jimmy out there, but it's not just Jimmy now, it's Solo there. Even though you can argue Solo can handle himself, but he's still young, bro, and Jay cares for his family very much. And he thinks Jimmy is the most vulnerable out of all of them, so he has to protect his brother. That's the reason why he joined the bloodline in the first place. I feel like after Mania, the, the crumbles will still continues for, for the bloodline. I think so. I don't know if it's going to be immediate, because who knows if Roman's going to be on TV after WrestleMania, if he'll take some time off. Oh. But if he is... I think the disintegration of the bloodline is something that will absolutely still keep people's interest after Roman loses the title. If there is some sort of downward spiral and you can see the cracks continuing to form the group. But here's, here's the issue, though. Um, this, I call it an issue because it's obvious they can set Jay up to be a babyface in this. Mm -hmm. But I know how the old owner or the old you know the chairman himself Vince McMahon this this was designed to get Roman Reigns over to be a babyface eventually because mm -hmm. it has worked people do like the character so it's, it's kind of like how long can they hold off because you know they want to turn him face but at the same time this storyline needs to be wrapped up it can go two ways about it but I hope it goes the way of Jay Uso turning face and feuding with Roman for a bit and then Roman Jay beating Roman so Roman has that downward spiral where he looks inward and realizes that he lost his mind that new teeth of his just made him go crazy. <laughs> Poisoned his mind. <laughs> <laughs> that new teeth. Everything changed when he came back with new teeth, guys. That's all I can say. That new teeth just did him a little crazy. And then he fires Paul Heyman and has an inward look and then redemption tour of 2024, 2025, depending if Sammy's still hot and he has to win the title or whatever. There's, there's many ways we can go about it. So it, it just, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is the Bloodline storyline doesn't end up mania. It's more... It's like the next chapter will unfold after Mania. It's very exciting. And of course, we get to WrestleMania now with a tag team match pretty solidly in place because the end of this show saw Kevin Owens return and back up Sami Zayn and give a big old hug as they fought off the Usos. For people listening to podcast form, we're hugging. <laughs> F is for friends who do stuff together. U is for you and me. N is for anywhere, anytime at all, here in the WWE. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So... We'll get into the rest of our SmackDown review here, because holy heck, there was a lot of WrestleMania build on this show. Finally. Finally. Some of it was kind of a retread of other things that we've seen for sure, but other bits had some progression, because after our opening segments with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and such, we had Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley taking on Santos Escobar and Zelina Vega. I'm hoping very much... That You know how we often talk about how after WrestleMania is when we hope to see Chad Gable break through over on Raw? And, mm-hmm. like, there's been talk of him having a singles push and everything, so I'm feeling a little more confident in that. But it makes a lot of sense to have Chad Gable be one of those guys that is the other, per- other side of the good TV matches, mm-hmm. building back up re- uh, Raw as a wrestling show. And then after WrestleMania then it can be his time to shine a little bit. I am very much hoping that after WrestleMania, Santos Escobar gets a chance to shine because, boy, is he losing a lot of matches right now. A lot of Triple H's uh, people they called up to the main roster or returnees, um, LA Knight, I put them in the same boat as well. I'm hoping as well that after WrestleMania, a lot of talents right now that eating pins are going to get a reset button. Mm -hmm. I hope that because Legado haven't, I've been saying it, fans can be fickle and or fair-weathered. If you're not winning matches, if you're portrayed as a loser, they lose interest pretty fast. And Legado's too talented to be treated as, you know, jobbers to the stars. So Look at that. Russellshop.com. Get your jobber to the stars merch right now. Yes. But this was a good match. Yeah. I want to I wanna say that Zelina Vega, where has this Zelina Vega been? When she was Queen Zelina, I remember teaming up with Carmella. She wasn't really doing anything of note in the ring. But in this short sprint of a match, she did some tilt-to-wall DDTs. She did some sentons from the top rope. She did some moonsaults outside. She did a head-scissor-like DDT spot. She's very much the cousin of Amazing Red in this match. She did really well in that. Santos Escobar did a, a great drop kick onto Dominic. So despite the outcome of the match, I felt like they put a lot into the match for it to be effective. Yep. And I mean, I thought Rhea Ripley hit, hitting the Riptide, I thought that was probably one of the best Riptides that she has hit. And it helps, of course, that Zelina's a smaller opponent. And a lot of the time, the Riptide just kind of looks like the other person just sort of falls down. 
yeah. depending on how big they are. This was one where you, she got Zelina all the way up and slammed her down. It looked great. It looked like a finisher. Yeah, it looked like a finisher, which it doesn't often do. Yeah. And Rhea and Dominic win this match, and then afterwards we get yet another instance of Dominic calling out Ray, saying, you're a pathetic deadbeat dad, and Ray coming out there and being like, I won't fight you, son. That's pretty much it. No, but you know, there's a little bit more to it this week. We're getting sizzled. a little closer. He sizzled. No, so what happened, guys? I know it sounds like the same thing happened again. Ray provided some context because Dominic was like, you know, there he is, deadbeat dad, wasn't there for my birthday. He so Dominic recited old material, which wasn't new. Same thing. But what I liked about this segment because it sounds like it's the same thing again. But what I felt like we got more this week from Ray's point of view was. Yeah, I'm a WWE Hall of Famer. This business is selfish. He's saying Dominic's. Dominic's in his business too. So mm-hmm. it's not like business, you know, like Dominic, you can't be holy of a vow, holy of a vow because you're doing the same thing Ray's doing. You're in the industry. Once you get family, you might have to do the same thing. He goes, he made sacrifices for Dominic, for Dominic's mom and Dominic's sister to give them the life that he dreamed of. And that hit me in the heart because Ray Mysterio is showing that despite all the negative things Dominic is saying, he still loves him. And, and he feels like, because Dominic still in Ray's mind hasn't done something they can't come back from. Mm-hmm. If Dominic right now went, you know what? I dropped Judgment Day. I'm sorry, take me back. Ray would do it. Mm-hmm. Dominic needs to do something heinous to dr- drive Ray still over the edge. Because he said, if it was any other punk kid calling me out at WrestleMania, I would do it. I will accept it. And crowd pops because they thought Ray's finally accepting. But you're my son. And if I hit you or fight you, it would it'll be a disgrace to me as a father. So you have to understand, for people with kids, that hits hard. Because that's your child at the end of the day. They, they, you know, there's some sociopathic parents that will just smack the kid. <laughs> they'll pop him <laughs> at the first instance. That's not Ray. Ray's more of the passive dad. He's the, he's the guy that, you know, bail out his son, be there for them, spoil him with all the Gucci, Louis. That's a good callback because Ray Mysterio is a fashionable bloke. Hell yeah. He loves his Louis Vuitton. He has his Louis Vuitton mask and stuff like that. So for him to say, hey, Dominic, all that cool merchandise and stuff that I've gotten is because all the sacrifices I made for you. Because Dominic has benefited from that. This is like revisionist history from Dominic's point of view he's bitter and he's angry at his dad for a lot of reasons it's still the edge thing I still think it's the edge thing mm-hmm. but he's now bringing up old things old seat you know um, resentment towards Ray and Ray's like hey we can still work on this Dominic needs to do something again I'm, I'm waiting for the Angie and uh, Aaliyah portion of the story to drive this over the edge that's yeah. what I think that's the thing like I don't disagree at all I just think that it's about time that we get there you know, he beat Undertaker though, because Undertaker had the whole Kane thing where he wouldn't fight Kane, and he he is after Royal Rumble. He's like, I think he needs to lock him in a casket and burn him alive. Yeah, that's what Dominic used to That'll do. That'll do it. That'll do it. You know, <laughs> it's just like we've got two weeks until WrestleMania at this point, and this has been going on since Clash at the Castle. Mm-hmm. I think it's about time we kind of get to the next bit. Because, yeah, there was a little bit more here to kind of advance that. Like, there's been a little bit more every week. But I'm really starting to get to the point where it's like, okay, come on. Do the thing. Can we advance this next bit? Just because, like, I know a lot of people are tuning this out now and do just think that Ray has kind of looked like a bitch the whole time. Uh, But... uh... This is Hall of Fame and Rey Mysterio. We can do a blooper reel of all the times Rey Mysterio did look like a bitch. Yeah. It's a a thing. It's not too late to stop, though. (laughs) 
It's a reoccurring thing for Ray. He looks like a bitch every year. That part when Roman yeeted him during the Thunderdome era. That's because Vince enjoys. That. Yeah. That's why Ray gets yeeted all the time. He gets his head squashed by Great Carly all the time. You know, he gets beaten up. He wins the WWE title, then loses it five minutes later. That's a Ray Mysterio thing. This is not the first time. So having Ray being embarrassed by his son is part of the course, unfortunately, guys. Ray Mysterio's that guy who lost his mask. Then Kevin Nash beat him up, one darted him doing the end of your storyline. Ray has been punked out for the majority of his Mysterio. Great matches, punking out, shake hands in the middle. That's Ray Mysterio. This depresses me so much. I need them to put more respect on my boy's name. <laughs> the fact that I said that, you're like, they're punking him out. I was like, yeah, they've always been punking. That's a Ray Mysterio trope, unfortunately. When Eddie turned on him, he busted him open, ripped his mask, and then he did Brain Buster on the steel steps. And then he, Eddie and Ray was quivering, please, please, and he battered him. That's a Ray Mysterio trope. You always feel sorry for him. He gets punked out every year for 20 years. Over 20 years. Gets punked out constantly. Ray. Always. It's kind of like RVD getting turned on or Sting getting turned on. It's a trope recurring. I love you, Ray. <laughs> Take more care of yourself. We then had a qualifying match Ooh, for a fatal four-way tag team showcase. WrestleMania showcase, match. pal. Now, I'll be honest. I don't know what that means. It sounds like that just means that they are having a match with no story, no build, just as a way to get a bunch of people on the show with no stakes, which somehow is less stakes than even those battle royals that they were doing. Now, I don't care that much because I'm not going to advocate for the return of these battle royals. You're not? I don't care that much. They never did anything with these battle royals in the first place. But, But what in God's name is the point of this? There's still a couple weeks. They can prove me wrong. They can throw something into the mix here. But as of now, as it has been presented, it's just a match. If you're saying if they added like a number one contendership out of it. It would be something. It would be something. And that's probably what they will eventually be. Like, I would imagine whoever wins these matches will probably face the tag champs at the next pay-per-view. I would imagine so. But it would help to tell me that. I'm on the live and recover agenda because I've been saying this for months. So it's I quit that undercurrent. It's not really been a storyline, but for, for months. Liv and Raquel have been tethered together. Liv has punked out <laughs> Raquel so many times. They've had they've not broken tables together. They've had clunky matches together. They've teamed up. Liv's a smack to Raquel. Raquel smiled for it all. I feel like this match is either designed for Raquel to turn on Liv. Or to progress this weird, I'll call it undercurrent, because it's not a storyline, but they are the only two not to suffer from tag team amnesia. They have, though. Like, Liv Morgan and Tegan Knox were a tag team for, oh, like, yeah. three weeks back oh, yeah. in December. Crap, you know what? I got tag team amnesia. That is true. But at the same time, Liv and Raquel, they refuse to quit them. They they are a thing. They're not friends. That's that's the weird thing. Raquel smiles a lot. By the end of the day, I remember Liv just smacks and punks all the time. Pap, slap in the face. I still remember that slap in the face. Yep. And I remember that sent on from the top rope and then that crossbody, they couldn't break the table together. I just remember that their relationship has been toxic, to say the least. And Tegan Knox gets a new tag team partner every single week. Holy hell. Yeah, right. okay. Did something happen to the Natalia that I don't know about? Natalia probably needed, you know, more time off. 
for, I, for, for I reasons. No because sure, filming more content with a sister, maybe. I don't know. We don't talk about that. Because this match was Liv and Raquel versus Tegan and Emma, the ones who've been brought back and Hi, somehow done the least <laughs> Hi, Emma. since then. Is this Emma's like second or third match since returning? I I don't even know. She's been Mad Cat Moss's manager girlfriend for half of the, more than half of this time. Again, I'm gonna advocate. All right, Dana Brooks on Raw, Emma's on SmackDown. After WrestleMania, put them back together. Sure. Emma's better as a heel. I'm sorry, because Emma only works as a babyface when she's doing a goofy dance. Outside of the goofy dance, she's just a bland, generic babyface. As a heel, at least she had glasses and the gloves, and she did a lot of look at me stuff. I saw, that's what I want. Madcap Moss is not doing much at the moment. Heck, put them three together and make them a, a thruple of some weird sense. At least it'd be better than what we're getting right now. Yeah, because this match really wasn't much of anything. Nah, like, it was just kind of a throwaway match. Again, Tegan Knox and Emma are a couple of people that have never once teamed before, qualifying for a tag team match at WrestleMania. I don't know what this is about. But they've never teamed before. They are two quite unsuccessful returns since Triple H has taken over, unfortunately. unfortunately. I don't want to blame them, yeah. but like they've been given nothing. <sighs> and... At some point during this match, Liv hit her like side code breaker thing, and Michael mm. Cole called it the code red. So I don't know what he's on about. But eventually, Raquel hit her finish. What's it called? Deano Bomb. I never remember that. And then Liv hit the Oblivion, and that was it. They were happy. They advanced to WrestleMania. This really is like the less cool version of Liv and Rhea Ripley from like a year ago. Oh, yeah, you, you remember that. I like their team together. You know what? I, I like Liv Morgan now. L at least she's got... Last year, Liv Morgan was a crybaby baby face. Oh, I never in my match. I'm on the dog. Ooh, never get opportunity. This Liv Morgan, I'm crazy. It's something. I'm crazy. Yeah, there wasn't much to this one. We'll see what happens with these uh, Fatal 4-Way showcase matches. But then we had Charlotte Flair come out. And mm. she she had quite an outfit on. Very green. It was what it was. It was. It was an outfit. Uh, she says that this is going to be her seventh WrestleMania, and in every single one of them, she will have been the champion or the challenger. My head was like, late there lies the problem. Yeah. See, okay, I don't think we really have time to get into the, the Charlotte Flair problem that I have. But I will, in a quick sense, address it. What is Charlotte Flair's character ever? Oh, oh, from my point of view, white privilege, and she wins all the time. Yeah, that's not, well, that's a character, but it's not much of a character. And when you consider that she's been on TV at the top of the women's division since 2015, she doesn't have much of a character, and thus it's really hard for me to get in involved emotionally into her stories. She's Mary Sue. Yeah. She, yeah. is, she is a Mary Sue. That's why you She can't wins relate, right? everything. She's good at everything. She's she's not okay. Now you want to be relatable. You're right. Is there has to be a current of 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 believability about the character. But at the same time, Charlotte Flair is an anomaly. Mm -hmm. She is an idea. I think she's more of an idea. You know, like, oh, I I like the idea of Charlotte. Like Vince and Triple H. I like Charlotte Flair, by the way. I want to see some. I think she's she a tremendous... wrestles good matches on pay-per-view. And when when she cuts a promo, when she's on her on the ball when it comes to cutting promos, she's really good as well. 
And sometimes she hits good moon salts as well when she wants to. And she does a good corkscrew as well. There's many positives about her. I don't think Charlotte's the issue. I think it's the pen. The booking yes. behind Charlotte yes. has never been Ashley Flair being the issue. The character of Charlotte has been the issue. The performer is a tremendous. You heard in interviews that she thinks she's better as a heel. She doesn't understand when they make her baby face. Even recently she said she likes taking a break for being a heel. Anyway, flares are being flares. The issue's always been... She hasn't evolved mm-hmm. since 2015. You could argue Becky has evolved, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about horsewomen. Yep. Let's talk about horsewomen. Sasha Banks even evolved and became what? The, the, the blueprint and, mm-hmm. and she changed up to took off the purple wig. Bailey was a hugger and she cut off her hair and it became this weird role model character. Mm-hmm. Becky Lynch went from being, you know, Spitfire Irish last kicker to being the man and then being big time Bex. All the wrestlers within the Four Horsewomen has evolved as characters. I would argue last year when she came back, when she was the opportunity, when she started dressing like evil Disney queens, I like that. At least it's like, I'm the opportunity, you have to face me to get over, blah, blah. It leaned more into the Hill character. It's just when they make her baby face, you just don't know how to relate to a character like that because she doesn't feel real. See, here's here's my thing, because I think you're totally right. I think it's the pen, I think it's her booking, and everything, because... A lot of people, when Vince McMahon was very out and clearly in charge of everything, and everybody was campaigning for half the roster to get pushed, mm. it was like so and so's being misused. Ricochet, Finn Balor, Mustafa Ali, Chad Gable, Cesaro, name every person on the roster. The problem with the booking literally extended throughout the entire roster, even to the people who were booked on top, because to me, Loads of people would always try and say that, like, Charlotte Flair was the female Roman Reigns, and I disagree with that. Charlotte Flair was the female Brock Lesnar in the sense that for that stretch of time that everybody got sick of Brock Lesnar, it's because there was no story there. It was, here, Brock, have a belt, and Mm. then you go until WrestleMania, and then he retains the belt, or he loses the belt, or Mm. whatever, but there was a stretch of years where that's all that he did. Yeah. From like 2020 all the way back to 2017. Those three years, that's all he did. He had a belt. He was the champion. You face Brock Lesnar. That's what you do. For Charlotte Flair, that has been her entire character. The entire time. The only time that she has come close to having some sort of other storyline was the Lacey Evans, oh my God, I'm banging your dad story. And that got cut off soon. And I'm not going to complain about that because that's not what I would prefer. But it's that unbelievably one-dimensional storytelling when it comes to Charlotte Flair that makes it really hard to get into characters and into storylines like this because there really isn't a storyline. And I think it's why we've been frustrated with this one and people saying that this is going to main event night one of WrestleMania, and we'll see. But you take a look at something like this that could have a storyline, could have emotional attention. It's right there. You could lean into Rhea Ripley, as we said last week, really going in hard about how badly that match at WrestleMania 36 affected her. Talk about that downward spiral. Don't just allude to it and be like, that was the worst loss of my career and I had to fight to get my my mojo back, whatever. You got to get deep into that and say that, yeah, Charlotte, you are the embodiment of all that struggle that I went through. And maybe that's a babyface promo that they don't want to give to a heel 
but at least it's something. Because something else happened as well, because you're, you're, we're getting to, to the crux of it, because she even mentioned Bianca. I feel like it's all connected. She even said, I didn't choose Bianca for a reason, mm-hmm. and now we're going to revisit one day, why not? And I was like, oh, because you could argue that loss to Charlotte is the kind of the reason why Bianca won that Royal Rumble when it's there with the final two. Mm-hmm. Why did I not win? Because that loss affected my confidence. There's so many layers they can fit into that the, the let's call it the real redemption tool. Mm-hmm. You know, redemption tool year one, Charlotte. Year two, Bianca. Is Rhea coming back for all the people that have beaten her or affected her confidence? You can argue that loss to um, Bianca winning, uh, winning the Rumble also was a downward spiral in her career. Nuance layered storylines is why we like the bloodline storyline. And nuance storytelling is there for real, but they're not leaning into history. They're not going into uh, like real life feelings and emotions. Because at one point, people were asking the question, she's having stinkers with Oscar. Is Rhea really it? Remember, it was mm-hmm. like she, she didn't have that mojo on the main roster. People were saying, ooh, Rhea's not working on the main roster. Part of the reason why she, ju- she joined Judgment Day after turning on Liv Morgan. She turned on Liv Morgan, and then even then, it's like, uh, Rhea, Hill Rhea's not really hitting that hard because at, a, at, that, at that point in time they couldn't even book Hill Turns properly anymore it wasn't to Judgment Day and it's that booking her like the modern day version of China's we're ever, we're ever gonna get that's when she started getting over again there's a point when Rhea Ripley was lost mm-hmm. they, they should again it's all there but they don't go into it and, it, and that's why it frustrates me because it's like it's not like Rhea picked out a random opponent this yeah. is a person she has history with she keeps mentioning I've got history of you oh you win all the time she, she mentions buzzwords but she doesn't go into the crux of why those particular things affect her or bothers her oh I walk backstage everyone knows to walk away but you don't all right, get into the heart of why she doesn't. I think it's mm-hmm. like, it's there. It's just like, it's like verbiage. Tempe should wear a mask and a beanie hat. All right, but don't get to the crux of, you know what I mean? They don't dig deep. It's like, they, they do one little peeling and they're like, oh, there's storytelling power. No, le- peel the onion. Yeah. They did a little bit of the first layer and they stop and they think, this is the main event of WrestleMania. Do more. They need to do more because they really didn't say too much in this promo either. Because as I said, Charlotte says that she's been the champion or the challenger for every WrestleMania that she'll be a part of and says that Rhea Ripley isn't a star and won't be a star until she beats her. Whatever. I I personally, this is more of a nitpick, but I don't like if if this is going to be main event WrestleMania. I wouldn't say that one half of that main event isn't a star. That's just me. But Rhea then comes out. And she says uh, everything that you just said about Bianca and whatnot and says that everybody backstage knows to fear me except you at WrestleMania. You will learn to fear me. I'm going to be a star by beating you. And then she sucker punches Charlotte and they brawl and they have a pull apart brawl and it lasts a It was a, a nice while. one. It was, it was a nice a good, one. Mm. It was a good brawl. They get pulled apart. Both of them take out referees. They take out, you know, backstage personnel and stuff while Michael Cole's like, I can't wait for WrestleMania. It's Whatever. Again, it was fine. It was development, but still, it's not getting to the crux of what we want out of this story. I'd, I'd also feel like it's also almost like a week or two late of a, of a brawl. They should have had it yeah. had weeks ago. It should be like on site. It should be on site. Every time they see each other, they fight. Because even like the Asuka and Bianca suffering from the same thing, where Asuka comes out, dribbles. Yeah, I love Asuka, but she dribbles the, the, the green liquid. And, and that, that's the storyline is Bianca wins a match. Asuka comes out. Asuka wins a match. Bianca comes out. They should have booked it like this. I, this is for women. I'm, I'm just um, putting a bow in this. Asuka has gone back to her old self, her old new self. Turn her, turn her heel. 
She turned her heel. It's kind of like someone has never seen her NXT stuff where she was a great tweener. Mm-hmm. She's never been tweening right now. I've, I do feel like right now, I just want to say I love Asuka. I want her to win at WrestleMania. I want her to be pushed the way she should be pushed. But I still feel like even with the face paint and new music, they're still kind of booking her like old Asuka a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean... I'm not saying she should squash Carmella, but she should squash Carmella. She should absolutely squash Carmella. I'm not saying she should squash she squash Chelsea, because that's she Chelsea's should. character. Chelsea's she character is she lose like if she wins, she has nothing to complain about. So you got a great character. She loses, so she complains. Yeah. Asuka should not be given an inch in a ring. It should be with Bianca that could rock her. Cause when Bianca does punch her in the face, it won't mean anything because everyone's punched Asuka in the face and rocked her since she's come back under her new uh new old murder clown character. Yeah. So yeah, Asuka should turn heel. Green Mist, uh, Bianca on Monday. If not, I'm going to chuck a chair against the wall mentally because I wouldn't do that in real life. <laughs> I was going to say, don't do that in here. we we got to sell the studio. <laughs> Afterwards, we, of course, then had uh, Sami Zayn's backstage segment, which we've talked about already. And then we had Xavier Woods versus L.A. Knight. And they did a little inset promo during the entrances here, which love, just love. showed... <laughs> Xavier Woods and Mad Cat Moss playing video games in the back, probably playing 2K23. And LA Knight comes up behind them and went, ha ha, look at you nerds in your fantasy world and playing video games, ha ha, losers. And Xavier Woods like, all right, big man, want to talk? Face me in the ring tonight. And that's, that's how they set this match up. Of course, I, I again point out to everybody watching, bad, that's Mad Cat Moss for the show. He's playing video games backstage. And That's, also, what made me laugh before you Why get did he win that four-way match? Whatever. Doesn't matter. Go on. Gets to the crux of things. They, I, in my argument, we didn't need that backstage promo because LA Knight has been feuding with... Yeah. Xavier Woods came out and LA Knight came out. You wouldn't feel like, where's the storyline? Right. The storyline's there already. But it just made me laugh. They had to add extra heat, which is video games is the reason why they're fighting. No, because, you know, Xavier Woods would be making fun of LA Knight or, you know, they've yeah. been beating him for the last few weeks. But yes. But yes. Games. And then this was another short match. This was peculiar because they just they did a few moves, you know, did a DDT, did a missile drop kick, and a falcon arrow. They were just kind of doing stuff. And Net it was breaker from LA Knight, a face buster. Yeah. They were just again doing stuff. And then LA Knight went for a suplex and Xavier Woods rolled him up with the backwoods. I'd forgotten he'd call this small package the backwoods. I still like that. That's funny. Roll him up, bowl him up, smoke him up. And Xavier Woods got the win. And that was it. It was like a really short match. And then after the match, LA Knight's walking backstage. And supposedly there was a uh, Bray Wyatt logo on screen. Did you see it? I didn't see it, but I didn't I didn't I didn't look out for it. I'm, I didn't I'm look honest. out for it. It's fine. I don't, I don't want Bray Wyatt involved with L.A. Knight at this point, but that's beside the point. Because L.A. Knight went up to Rey Mysterio, who was just signing autographs, as they do backstage for the merch stand. I'm not sure why you'd be signing autographs for the merch stand at this point in the show, but maybe it's for next week's show. Sure, I'll, 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 I'll roll with it. And he says, oh, I'll give your son an L.A. moment. I'll, I'll hit him like, like you won't and, and such. And Rey Mysterio just punches him and walks away, or says something in Spanish and walks away. And LA Knight just say, what did he say? And I kind of got a few chuckles. And just to mention, in the match, LA Knight did get a reaction for his entrance theme. He did get a yeah, chance uh, in, in the ring. He's way more over than his push at this point. Bingo. And that's usually a bad thing when you're way over than your push. Because I argue. Yeah, in their mind, they can beat you at that point. 
I, I said it that I want it. LNA is getting a reaction that we all want him to have, but he's not getting the push we want him to have. And I also could argue that they're booking him like Heath Slater circa 2011 or 12, whenever it was when he was fighting legends. 2012. Yeah. Or when he, 1000. Yeah, when he was entertaining, but he was fighting legends and then they embarrassed him. I, I, LA Knight shouldn't be that guy who gets embarrassed. It should be a guy who talks trash. And um, yeah, LA Knight shouldn't be a jobber to the stars. Yeah. Yeah. And he also said that he should quit himself LA Mysterio and be up his punk son since he won't do it. That, that made me laugh and I could be a deadbeat part of the deadbeat society whoever it was and then Ray hit him and now they're going to wrestle each other next week so I'm hoping Dominic interferes so LA Knight wins so LA Knight doesn't continue losing because I, I don't remember the last time he won I think he beat a jobber he beat a jobber in January I think his name was like Ren Jones or something like that but he go. has only won three matches since he became LA Knight and it was the first one against Mansoir it was another one after that and then it was that one against a jobber he has only won that one match this year and that is just not good enough, sir. Yeah. See, and this goes back to my problem that I used to have about SmackDown before Triple H took over. Let me and talk to you. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. My problem with it was that the people who lost were the focus of the show. Carmella and Chelsea being on Raw. You just like, more often than not, on shows with characters in wrestling that people care about. Mm. It's the people who win all the time. Mm -hmm. And granted, there's got to be some variance, whatever. Not everything's set in stone. I get that. But it gets very difficult when the characters that are on TV every week are the ones that lose. The interesting ones. That, that is a recurring thing. Chad Gay was interesting, yeah. but yet he loses all the time. Heck, even Corbin, again, uh, I know we don't do Raw, but I really want to talk about it. We're probably going <laughs> to there. He's going back to being bomb-ass Corbin, isn't it? That's what it yeah. is, isn't it? I don't. I don't want that because you know when you know when you said you want when people say they want something and when it happens you're like oh it's not great as the first time it happens you sure. know when you can do retreats DDP didn't go back to being broke in WCW that's a little tidbit for people that watch <laughs> WCW you can't go back I'm I, I'm of the mind of you go forward not backwards you go backwards that's a sign of creative bankruptcy mm -hmm. but yeah this uh, this was a rough night for for LA night and then we got our Intercontinental Championship number one contenders match between Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. And we had Walter and the rest of Imperium come out and stand at ringside. And Wade Barrett tried to get a word from Walter on commentary. And I really liked the presentation of all this because Wade's like, I'm going to try and get a word with our Intercontinental Champion. And he like nudges uh, Ludwig Kaiser and Kaiser's like, what? What do you want? And then he gets Walter's attention, goes over, puts the headset on. He's like, thank you for your time, uh, Gunther. Um you and, and Seamus had, like, one of the matches of the year last year, Clash of the Castle. Do you want to run that match back? He's like, what kind of question is this? I, I do not care. I will do my duty as the Intercontinental Champion if I have to face him at WrestleMania. And he's like, what about Drew McIntyre? Yeah, if you face him at WrestleMania, what, would you prefer that match? He's like, I do not care. I do not have time for your ill-advised questions. I will do my duty at WrestleMania. He takes his headset off. And Michael Cole's like, I'm sorry for my colleagues... Uh, very poor questioning. Like, as if Michael Cole doesn't have the absolute worst questions anytime a wrestler's on commentary, but neither here nor there. I want to see Tempest with Michael Cole. I'm sorry, guys. I feel like that's what's been leading up to you. Swear to God. Give me right? give the plane tickets to LA. You know, Wrestle Talk. Let's sponsor this guy. Let him Book go it. to WrestleMania. Book it. Book it. Tempest with Michael Cole. Because I feel like that feud has been brewing for a while. Been brewing. Hot dog. Everything he says just pisses me off. But anyway, this match was pretty good, though. There weren't a lot of, like, matches to get invested in on this show. No. It was just kind of, like, a few short matches. Some things had stakes. But even then, the stakes were fairly low. This was one of the matches where 
I saw that booked for this week, and I was like, hell yeah, that's going to be good. And it was. It wasn't like the blow-away match that they've had on pay-per-view in 2021 and such, but it's okay. It wasn't supposed to be. And once the people got into the near falls, then things really picked up. They had some crowd heat, and they were exchanging big moves, and Sheamus got kind of like a broke-kick knee-looking thing because he didn't get full extension. And they then built to a spot where both men were down. And you can always tell when the refs count a little bit faster that they're going to do one of these spots. But he gets to about eight as they're both still down. And Walter gets up on the ring apron and he's like, hey, don't you count. Both of these men get up. I'm not going to have this match end in a, in a double knockout or a no contest or whatever. Distracts both of them. And the rest of Imperium hit both of them for the double DQ. Kind of a lame finish, but I've seen it done before. It works for what they want to do. It sets up the triple threat match because immediately afterwards, they go to walk up the ramp and Adam Pierce pops up on the screen and says, Walter, paraphrasing, of course, you, after what you've just done, have earned yourself a triple threat match at WrestleMania. It'll be you against Sheamus against Drew McIntyre for the Intercontinental Championship. And I would bet that there is a very strong possibility that that'll be the best match on the show. On either show. Ooh, you know what? There's I, a, this is a good card, mind I you. I think I both of these women's matches can really steal the show. I think the tag match, I think the main event, Roman and Cody, all have very good shot at stealing the show. But this, this is going to be some heat. This is going to have some heat. I think this one will be expected. I, I think the Dark Horse is Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. You know what? You're right. That's going to be the best match on the show. They're going to go out. And They're going to go nuts. And I hope Seth Rollins stomps his head in. Because Seth Rollins, um, he's old. A WrestleMania moment. It's been a, a, a bit. It's been a while. Been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Because you you could argue, you know, which was another time. It, it could be a video essay about how Seth Rollins should be fighting for the title. It should be up there. <laughs> but now I say that the next month, who's Cody by face might be Seth. You yep. know, because we wish for you know. Yes. Yes. So this pretty much brings our review of SmackDown to a close. I thought, because of the opening and the main event segments, that this was a pretty gosh darn good show, all things considered. The middle bit, again, there really wasn't a whole lot to remember. Storyline progression, a, though. There, there was a, some storyline progression. It did its job. But shaping at WrestleMania. Yeah, the, the main bits were saved for the beginning and the end, and that is where the most important bits But he, the, here's a little bit of the issue as well. So there is an argument being made. Is there going to be the tag match with the Usos, KO, and Sami main event in night one, or is it going to be Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley main event in night one? I can argue one storyline has had, what, two segments, two, three, four segments right the night, and the other one had one in a brawl. Mm-hmm. So it's quite hard to defend one segment in a brawl compared to a, a segment that started the night and was middle portions and then bookended at the end. One of them is being booked like a main event program and the other is not. And also the other main event program that's happening night two is also kind of sprinkled in involved as well because Cody's been involved in that story. They, they've they mm-hmm. used Cody's very smart smartly because they, they, they're showing a relationship he has with Kevin because it's kind of like this busybody getting involved in other people's business. Like, no, 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 I know this guy and you know I've been coaching this guy's mm-hmm. confidence. I'm involved in the storyline too, and I can't wait for the six-man tag match that is brewing. It's right there. They got to give it to us. Go home. The go-home show. I really hope it's for the go-home show and not like the main event of Backlash or something where they did the six-man tag last year. Mm. This match is going to bang, but... Bada-boom. Bada-boom. Bada-bang. Bada-bang.
That being said, before we get out of here, we have yes. some very important shout-outs to give. That being to our $25 and above pledge hammers over at patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk, where you can subscribe at the $25 and above tier and get your own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this. So a big shout-out to the movie Luke has never seen, Selena. Yeah. I actually watched that uh, last month. For the first time, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's why Simon Dorma. Yeah. The newest maximum male model, Stefan Thomas. Yeah. Stefan. The Pharaoh, Stephen Matsafaro. Yeah. The incredible Tarzo. Yeah. Keep rolling, the Rick. Oh, keep rolling, the Rick Peck. Yeah. He's not your son, he's my son, Thebo Moisson. Yeah. Tony Jabroni. Yeah. Vincent Shaw Loki Garcia. Yeah. Vito Ventura, pet detective. Yeah. Willie Big E Singleton. Yeah. The final judgment, tasteless nobody. Yeah. Thank you very much to all of our pledge hammers, but especially to our $25 and above pledge hammers over at patreon.com forward slash Russell Talk. You can get your own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this by subscribing at the $25 and above tier. And you can also get early access to episode one of Monday Night War, newly returned. Season three has begun. Monday Night War over on pa uh, Parts Fun Known. I know the name of my own channel. Parts Fun Known with this lovely man right here. And sometime Adam too. And also, Pete and Luke going head-to-head -head in the battle for brand supremacy Monday Night Raw and Monday Night SmackDown. Luke and Pete go head-to-head -head in Season 3 of Monday Night War, WWE 2K23. You can watch Draft Day right now over at Parts Fun Known, and you can get early access to Episode 1 of the show over at patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk. There's never been a better time to subscribe. And Sat, please play us out. House of the Black Mask. Remember the house always wins. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.